Downtown Eau Claire is the place to experience amazing restaurants, entertainment of all sorts, and unique local shops to find your new favorite thing. This summer, Downtown Eau Claire hosts Party on the Plaza, a free music series on Haymarket Plaza on Saturday, June 24th, July 29th, and August 26th. Visit downtowneauclair.org for details on this and make plans to join in on the fun. Hello, everyone. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. Ah, we are very much in the in the in the heat of of spring, and the, the heat mean more the, the the heat zone map of spring. Though the the weather definitely has uh, the temperatures have definitely gone up. Uh, beautiful weather we've got. Expecting a, a pretty decent Mother's Day weekend too, and hopefully you've got maybe a a spot or two you're going to celebrate uh, Mother's Day. Uh, on uh, on Sunday. Well, I know we talked about it last year, and uh, we're not really going to talk about it too much today. But uh, you know, what, what, really, what are the? I lamented it last year. the The days of the the Mother's Day brunch have gone by the wayside. The, the brunch buffet has gone by the the wayside. There's still Mother's Day brunches and and uh, restaurants that have some specials, but it doesn't seem to be as prevalent as it used to be in different generations and all of that. It used to be you know, hotels and big banquet halls would host those fancy Mother's Day brunches that I always got excited about. But since the pandemic, I really don't know of any that still exist. Florian Gardens used to do one for many years, but they did not bring theirs back since the pandemic and I know some restaurants have got some things too but it's just not the just not the same uh but we we can talk about that next year we got other stuff to get to today uh, of course don't forget to follow and subscribe to us on Spotify and iHeart have all of these locally made podcasts coming right to you uh our new podcast from the Northern Wisconsin State Fair has dropped Fair Talk and definitely check this one out uh you should check out every podcast that we have at Eau Claire Hometown Media, but uh, this is a fun one with Rusty Volk, uh, who heads up the Northern Wisconsin State Fair, and there's going to be some great episodes coming up. On this first one, though, he really dives into the history of the fair, which uh, is probably a lot of things you're not even all that familiar with, including some potential mafia connections to the fairgrounds. Make sure you're checking that out and a new banker with a beer, too. This weekend, we mentioned Mother's Day on Sunday, but on Saturday, River Fe- uh, River Prairie Fest in Altoona. River Prairie Fest on Saturday in Altoona. We'll have an episode of People, Places, and Passions from the city of Altoona that drops actually later on Thursday, and it'll be available all on Friday, previewing River Prairie but one of a number of events that the city of Altoona puts on at River Prairie every spring, summer, and fall. Boy, Altoona really has taken advantage of that space, whether it be this, whether it be the concerts that they have. Uh, almost weekly, there is something that is going on there. Mike Golot, <laughs> he, he's an event planner at heart as the city administrator. Uh, not only did they, have they built that spot, 
River Prairie, but Altoona, the city of Altoona itself, has facilitated an awful lot of these events that are going on. Now, there are some private events that go on, and there's a lot of public-private partnership, but whether it's a private event or it's a public event or it's a private-public event, the city of Altoona seems to be behind each and every one of them, and that's a great job. Uh, I've lived in a lot of places where you have an event space that is built, and it could be something like River Prairie, it could be an actual arena, it could be an amp a big amphitheater, it could be a stadium, it could be any one of these things, and it's built, and then it, all of the pressure of putting events on in it falls into the hands of a private group, if you will. It's not a government entity, and some of it's out of necessity. Think of the Pablo Center, for instance. But with what we have here at River Prairie, think of all that the city of Altoona does with the River Prairie space that they try to put on. And actually, you, you just look down the road at the city of Eau Claire and how little the city of Eau Claire does with Phoenix Park and particularly now Carson Park. The city doesn't do as much anymore as it did even 15, 20 years ago as far as what it puts on. Now, some would also argue they sometimes throw roadblocks up, but you know they're more than happy to have private groups like Volume 1 put on things, as Volume 1 does with the Food Truck Fridays and with their concert series at Phoenix Park. But the city of Eau Claire is not as much involved in the putting on the event game as the city of Altoona is. And just think about that. Uh, and, and you know, think about that. You know, which one do you want? Which you know, of course, city of Eau Claire is a little larger. There's some factors that maybe make it a little bit more difficult for them to put on things. But uh, you know, this is not as much a shot at the city of Eau Claire, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, as it is, look at what Altoona does. Another event they're putting on there at River Prairie with this River Prairie Fest. And, and, you know, there'll be plenty of events going on at River Prairie all summer long and into the fall. Uh, was just chatting with somebody earlier today. River Prairie now has been basically a spot people go to since, what, 2017, 2018 now? It's not that far ago, but you've got some distance now. If you haven't been there in even a year, you got to get back there. It, it's it, and now that the weather's nice and you can walk around River Prairie, it really has developed. You know, we all we all kind of liked it four or five years ago, and you know, because boy, this looks kind of cool. If you go now, it really is cool, River Prairie. And there's and trust me, I think there's only more to come there as the type of businesses and the type of operations there maybe start to shift just a little bit over time. Uh, you know, things that'll bring people there a little bit more, the, 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 the private investment. It'll be fun to see what ends up going in some of those spaces here in the next few years. Uh, also saw this in the Leader-Telegram on Thursday, and I recommend again, you know, I don't get any money from the Leader-Telegram, but... Uh, check this out. Great story in the paper today. 
about a guy who makes board games or a guy who has started to get into the board game making business. Uh, it talks about a board game he has developed and the process of developing the board game and the fact there's a board game club in our area. Uh, check that out. There's a number of people in the area that have gone into making board games. Uh, our, our Manam podcast had a guy in Menominee that developed his own board game. It's it's a fun story to read uh, in the Leader Telegram. Check that out. Uh, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme for this guy, but you read about the community of board game advocates in the area, which is awesome. So check that out. All right, so you know we're going to get to the fireworks issue. Uh, this has to be the end of the fireworks issue. It really has to be now until we get to July 4th and around that time and uh, a retrospective, if you will. But, of course, uh, the fireworks vote uh, made official on Tuesday among a, f a few votes that we'll touch on in a moment. But the fireworks vote uh, came through. Fireworks are being moved to the high bridge location. No surprise, as we told you, on Tuesday and really watching the meeting on Tuesday and it followed the form that we had seen maybe for the last couple of weeks the focus what was focused on and what was really voted on was interesting and I'm going to use this as an example and I think I said this before let's go to the abortion issue now Fourth of July fireworks and abortion are two totally different extremes, but it's about a marketing thing. So hear me out on this. This is why. And this is not, you know, whether you're for abortion or against abortion. I've used this before. The abortion debate, especially in the last year, but even going back before that, is a matter of there are people that want to focus on it is if you're against abortion you are more than likely wanting the discussion to be about uh, the living organism that is within the human body that is being terminated through the abortion all right that's what you want to focus on now whether it's a living being whether it's got a soul all that sort of thing that is up for other debates and what have you but at the very end, we have to all agree that is a living organism that is inside uh, of the woman. And if you are against abortion, you want that to be the focus, that there's a living organism that's right there. If you are for choice and for abortion, now that could be two totally separate things too, but that's something else. If you're pro-choice or for abortions, you want the discussion to be about women's rights. Because not a lot of people are going to really support wanting to kill anything. Uh, so you want the discussion to be on women's rights. And if you are, you know, if you are somebody that's against abortion, well, you know, how can you be against women's rights? And that's what you want the debate to be. So the argument ultimately, part of the argument is what is actually being argued and it's part of the uh, it's also part of the the fact you have no movement on either side and it's hard to come to a compromise cuz two are arguing really two totally separate pathways with the fireworks issue the same sort of thing 
developed. You had with this fireworks issue, people like me, people like Mayor, uh, Larry Moga on the city council board, on the city council, uh, and some others who said, we've got a 100-year tradition here. Why, 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 why change this? Why change this at all? It's, it, there's a huge impact on tradition. There's a huge impact on the Eau Claire Express. It's, 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 it's not worth it to move it right now mere weeks away. But then you had another side that their focus was on pretty much a fact that, that there is a significant safety issue with shooting the fireworks off at Carson Park. And whether we could have a whole other debate, and I, the more I've thought about it and the more I've taught to people, it seems very, very uncomfortable the fact all this, for lack of a better word, fear-mongering of the safety issues that were brought up by various city departments over the fireworks show at Carson Park. Basically, it, describing it as a death trap over the last uh, little while. You're basically describing this as almost a death trap uh, at Carson Park. So you had this, you had the uh, one side of the one, one group of people that were all on the idea that let's focus on tradition, let's focus on the express, let's focus on this. And you had another group of people that were focused on it's about the safety. You got these city departments, these city leaders, police, fire, the city uh, committee that got together saying, well, this thing is, is an unsafe thing. And that's what the vote ultimately ended up being on. On Tuesday, you know, the people that voted against the fireworks at Carson Park were voting for the safety issue. And, and, and it's hard to really argue against them because they're sitting there saying, hey, I don't know what I don't know. I got to trust the city departments that are saying it's an unsafe venue to host the fireworks anymore. So I have to vote to move the fireworks. You know, really, council members really didn't have a choice. If, 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 if you look at it that way, the argument of the fireworks was pretty much decided once the focus was decided. If the focus was going to be on tradition, on the express, on that, then maybe a compromise could have been found. Instead, the focus ended up shifting towards safety and safety concerns. And at that point a lot of the city councilors are going to defer to, as they should, to the police, the fire, and what have you, and go, all right, you know, whether, no matter what my personal opinion is, I'm going to defer to the police and fire, and they say they don't want to hold it there anymore, I'll vote to not hold it there anymore. So the issue really is, where are these safety concerns coming from, and, and, and we can we can be upset about that for all it's it's still frustrating that a hundred years all of a sudden you've got this pop-up of of issues that have come up really it really has just but you know new people are in positions new people see things a different way so be it here's the thing on the fourth of july celebrations root for them to succeed now uh, I've said it right now. I even emailed a couple counselors earlier today. I said, 
the new location may ultimately be better anyway. It may ultimately be better anyway. I still believe they should have been held at Carson Park in 2023. You screwed over the O'Quare Express. You, if this was such a a a safety issue, why wasn't this why wasn't this immediately discussed last July, August, September? Your deadline for deciding was the O'Quare Express's schedule in December, and when you cash that Festival Foods check for the fireworks show. That was the deadline, not now, but regardless of how sloppily it was handled, the new fireworks location may ultimately be be better. Root for it to succeed. Root for it to be good. Root for it to be a new tradition for our area. But if it goes wrong, if this new location does not work out, Lane Berg, Community Services Director, Matt Rokas, the police chief, and Stephanie Hurst, the city manager, very much need to take significant blame on this. And the, and when I say something goes wrong, I'm not saying, hey, the fireworks show doesn't look good, and we're also not talking something catastrophic happening. I saw one person posted, I hope the high bridge burns down. No, you absolutely do not want that. We are a community. We root for success amongst everything. But what I'm talking about is very realistic things that could happen. That very well could happen if you'd held them at Carson Park. These are none things, no things you want to have happen. Well, let's say downtown there's a, a pedestrian that gets hit, hit by a car. There's a, you know, a lot of traffic, pedestrian gets hit by a car. Or somebody ends up in the river by Phoenix Park during all of this. You have something, you know, things that could happen that are still not likely to happen. We have a lot of events downtown, the Oakhurst Marathon and whatnot that happen without any problem. But if you do have a problem on July 4th, yeah, you could say, hey, it could happen at, you know, bet. we knew what we knew at Carson Park. You gave away Carson Park for something new. For something new. We had a hundred years at Carson Park of mitigating any problems that came up. By moving it, and I know those who voted will disagree because they don't want that pressure, but this year has to be zero issues. Zero safety issues. Because you moved it for safety. And if you say, well, you know, we got rid of this safety issue. And yeah, these new safety issues came up. That's the problem. We already knew the safety issues at Carson Park. So that's the thing right now, is that this year has to go by perfectly. And if you are bitter about the decision, and I'm a little bitter about the decision, you still want it to succeed. You still want it to succeed because, remember, around the corner, the next argument really is not holding fireworks anyway. And that's going to be a push by certain people, I believe, to not have any fireworks. So you want this to be successful. You want this to be a winner. But what I'm saying is that you pretty much have to bat a thousand for it this year. The fireworks show, I mean, the actual fireworks show itself could be bad. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about, a failure. And there could be, you know, the, the, the vantage points could not be that great. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you need to make sure there are no safety issues. That there are none. 
And if the city of Eau Claire, if Matt Rokas follows through with what he said, in which he's going to be able to cut staff on July 4th, that we don't have major issues on July 4th. And if we're sitting here doing a show a week after July 4th and police calls remain flat from previous years and people by and large liked the new location and there were no major you know, incidents downtown, you know, nobody got hit by a car, nobody ended up in the river, nothing like that, then we sit here and we go, all right, touche. But if something does happen, then the people that facilitated this move, more so, you know, again, Laneberg, Matt Rokas, Stephanie Hirsch, they more so than the city council members who pretty much listened to the people that did all the research, those are the people that are going to have to answer, I do believe. One other thing to finalize on that, we talked about it on Tuesday. I reached out to some council members, and I encourage you, on things you want to discuss with your council members, reach out to them, and how they respond to you is very important for how you may want to vote in the future. I gave high praise to Emily Anderson. Uh, she actually got back to me again today, on Thursday, to let me know how she voted, which I already knew how she voted, having watched... Uh, the meeting, she explained her side, and I wrote her back and said, you know, I can't disagree with you for she's all in on the fact that, hey, police, fire, they all said to move it, so I voted to move it. And I said, I can't disagree with you on that. Personally, I, I still think we should have waited a year, but I respect your point of view, and thank you for your service. Joshua Miller, who you may remember I called out on uh, Tuesday, because uh, he was going to vote against it, and he hadn't responded to my email. Uh, Kate Felton was another one. She voted to keep him at Carson Park. Still haven't heard from her. Uh, but Joshua Miller reached out, and I'm not going to read Joshua Miller's email to me. Not everybody's a great communicator. Not everybody. You know, again, this is my job, and you 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 learn over the years how to write emails and how to sometimes generate the right tone you want, and it takes a lot of practice. Uh, he, he wrote about he wrote a three page email to me, uh, basically council explaining, if you will, uh, his, the his side there. It was a lot. It, it, it was it was kind of verbal salad that he that he threw out there. Same idea. It's all about the safety and what have you. I didn't really like his tone, and I definitely didn't like the fact that he did not reach out to me until after the vote, which went the way that he wanted. Because Joshua Miller has been one of the people out front that he wanted to move the fireworks more so than, say, Emily Anderson, who went along with the move. But Joshua Miller has been a big proponent of the move. Again, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Reach out to your council members if you have any questions on things. And how they interact with you, I think, is very important for how you consider going, you know, how you vote in the future. Reach out to them. I, don't, I if vast majority of them are going to work with you and communicate with you and, and, and all of that, and they may not agree with you. They may not vote the way you want them to vote, uh, but that's also why we put these people in charge. They're going to, you know, remember this too, that they're, they're trying to take on a, a, a broad, a broad brush as well. Uh, and then that leads us to our final comment today, our final thing today. Uh, and again, we go back to the Leader Telegram. Leader Telegram, one thing they've done very well 
for the last couple of years is their editorial section. It's been great the last couple of years. Uh, really, you know, you kind of miss the days of even the TV stations that have their editorial pieces. They, they stopped doing those years ago. But the Lear Telegram today had a scathing editorial on Eau Claire City administration. And again, I recommend you go back and check it out because it really got me to think like, you know, they're right. And the the idea of it, and the Leader Telegram has not touched the fireworks debate at all, which is a little surprising. But they talk about the sloppiness of decisions over the last year. The sloppiness of decisions. And the, the, mo- the latest one that they're focused on is the whole Haven House thing and the use of ARPA funds and uh, Haven House had spoken on Monday where they went, hey, you know, don't, don't give us the money. There's no plan in place. Don't give us the money. And the city council still voted the, the, the half a million dollars that'll go towards a daytime shelter for homeless, even though there's no plan in place, which, hey, it's a great theory. Why don't we have a plan in place? You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Everything's, there's sloppy decisions, sloppy communication, very sloppy execution on a lot of things over the last year. You know, good ideas, but terrible execution. That, that's, it's something we always tell people in business. Everyone's got ideas. It's who can execute them. And right now, the city administration's having a hard time actually executing plans. And it gets us to this. City Manager Stephanie Hirsch. We're a little more than a year since she took over. And remember, if you were to go back a year, listen to some of our programs, we said at the time, I sat here and I defended the city council and said, hey, they're the ones that did the research. If they think she's the best one for the job, go for it. They had the safe pick in Dave Solberg, who wanted the job, hadn't done anything seemingly wrong as the interim for a couple of years, had been a good worker for the the city. They could have stayed with him. I don't think anybody would have complained. Or you bring in the outsider. And going with the outsiders, a little riskier of a move. High risk, high reward type of situation. They went with Stephanie Hirsch. And I said at the time, I said, this is on the city council. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, this is on them. It was a bold choice. Well, we look at now what's happened in the last year with Stephanie Hirsch. She pushed for the Orchard Hills annexation last summer. Something that I remember was one of the first things she pushed for last summer. And I sat here and I said, hey, the city council's got to go along with her. You just brought her on board. You got to empower her. You got to sign on. That was good. But arguably, she is the fault that they jumped the gun last summer. They didn't have their ducks in a row. And then the whole lawsuit and the, the annexation getting tossed out and then re, you know, having to bring the debate back up again in the last several weeks. All right. It comes across then as bullying other municipalities is what's ultimately ended up happening. So that was sloppy. The whole Orchard Hills thing has become sloppy. It's, it's a good idea. It's something, the city, it's something the city and the whole area ultimately needs, but sloppy execution. The wheel tax, which again, you can make pretty strong argument that maybe we need it. Uh, you can make very, very you know, very big arguments that we really shouldn't have it either because 
basically you're punishing people for living in the city of Eau Claire. I mean, you're just pushing people to want to move to Altoona and other areas so they don't have to pay the tax, yet still use the roads. But they had the whole wheel tax thing, and there was no coherent sales pitch. It was almost more so of a, if you were against the wheel tax, well, why are you against it? No, 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 no. That's not how we're... That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sneaky sales game that I sometimes play. Well, why wouldn't you want this? No, you know, they, they, they didn't sell it well. And the city council reading the tea leaves, the political tea leaves, did not vote it in, knowing it was almost going to be political suicide if they had. So that was, that was ugly. The whole Niagara bottling plant thing from a year ago was a messy thing. All seemed to be rushed. This fireworks situation all seemed rushed. If it's such a big safety issue, it should have been discussed last July and August and be open with the Eau Claire Express right away. Instead, you start discussing it over in the middle of the winter. You let the Express know two months after their schedule was set, after you'd already gotten your check from Festival Foods. The whole thing, I'm not saying something criminal happened, I'm just saying the whole thing's sloppy. And then this week, pushing ahead with the money for the Haven House, even though they asked it not to be. You talk about wanting to hear from the experts, police and fire with the fireworks, but then when you get the experts for the, 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 the daytime homeless shelter, you don't want to listen to them. So everything has been very sloppy. And at the end... When you have these sort of things, you have to, you can point out this person is probably doing something wrong, and this person, and this person. At the end, you look at the person up top. The person up top gets paid the most amount of money. They have the most amount of responsibility. They're the head of the snake. With the most amount of money comes the most amount of responsibility. They're the one who has to take the arrows and the slings and sometimes have to pay for maybe others' mistakes if you will, because it's on them to make sure those mistakes really don't happen. You know, Stephanie Hirsch has not had as much of a public presence as some of the other mayors. Uh, as some, well, let me, uh, I just caught myself there. Uh, she hasn't served the role as de facto mayor like prior people have, like Dale Peters. You know, she's not dressing up in a funny outfit and doing social media photos. Yes, you're not a mayor. You're more so the CEO of the city. But it doesn't feel as though she has that open door as much as, say, a Dale Peters had. So I'm sorry, a year into Stephanie Hurst, I'm not saying fire her, I'm not saying let's go start over again, because I think you, 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 know, you need two, two years outside of a major cataclysmic event. But show me the wins. Show me the wins. Show me where we are better now than we were a year ago. She hasn't had a major folly. She has not had an irreversible mistake, but not having an irreversible mistake shouldn't be the bar for saying someone has been a success at a job that pays over a hundred grand. So as we as we start working into this summer, into the fall, into the winter, you know, what do we want here? You you gotta communicate with the community much better. You got to. We're starting to see this city council and the city administration reverting back to what it was 
seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, where no matter what decision they make, the community's not going to like it. Even if it's a great, you're starting to lose that respect, if you will. I remember being on this program for probably just before the pandemic, right through the pandemic, up until a couple months ago, sitting here and telling you all, hey, you know what? City council pretty much has stayed controversial free. Made decisions, done this, done that. Most people weren't really following a lot of the meetings, if you will. They, the, the, the business was moving forward. But now you're starting to get a little bit more where people, again, are starting to be upset about almost anything that the city council is doing. Uh, we do not want to go back to the days of city councilors talking about they want this to be the new Portland we don't want this to go back to the days of city council where the city council was having whole debates over decorum on the days. And we don't want to go back to the to the fiasco that was the Veterans Tribute Trail debate, which, again, if you go back to our earliest days of this program, I wasn't totally against the city council. The problem was that everything just kept getting slow rolled and that allowed what what ended up up happening remember in the veterans tribute trail debate is the city council actually had some very valid things and there were some concerns and what have you and all these things but it was being slow rolled and while they were just kind of hemming and hawing in came the city of Altoona to take their date (laughs) city of Altoona came around and said hey hey stop stop talking stop talking to that guy let let me let me take you let me take you out for some pancakes (laughs) <laughs> you know, so they, they, they took their, they, they were taking too long for that. All right, that'll wrap it up for today's edition of Talk of the Town. Make sure uh, you have a happy Mother's Day for all the moms out there. Back with you on Tuesday. Tuesday will be a recorded edition of the program. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.